Daniel chapter 3, and then we're going to turn over into 1 John and chapter 2 and verse 15. So Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1, and then over into 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Title tonight is, It is the last time, who will you worship? It is the last time, who will you worship? Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music that you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the CMR be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. You turn over into 1 John chapter 2. Daniel chapter 3 is a very well-known, as you turn into 1 John 2, is a very well-known account in God's word of three Hebrew children that stood up in the midst while everyone bowed to this image. Through faith they quenched the violence of fire. They stood up for the Lord. They would not bow to the image that, that Nebuchadnezzar had made. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, John the Apostle writes these words, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world will pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He says in verse 15, verse 18, sorry. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. I want to read that verse again. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Just like in Daniel chapter 3, when there was an image made by the king of Babylon, as we touched on it this morning, so shall it be 
according to Bible prophecy, in the last days, there will be a beast, which is the Antichrist, which is inspired by the devil himself, and there will be an image to which this world will bow to. We find that in Revelation 13, 14, 15, 16, 19, and also chapter 20. In the last days, there will be a bound to the image and to the beast, the Antichrist himself. John tells us here clearly, it is the last times. It is the last time. And as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, there are many Antichrists whereby ye know, whereby you are able to discern that it is the last time. Just a couple of weeks ago, our Johnny sent me a, a little clip, a little uh, writing, and it was about Gordon Brown, the former Prime Minister. And he simply said, this former British Prime Minister has called for a temporary world government amid the battle against COVID-19. Brown believes that no one country come up with a solution on their own, Brown. Their own, Brown. There has to be a coordinated global response. We need to set up some sort of working executive. We are slowly and actually quickly moving towards what the Bible has already informed us of, of an end-time antichrist Babylonian system that will rise up in these days, a world uh, order, a one-world order and government that has been talked about for over a generation now by many world leaders, that we are heading into a period of time where what the Bible has prophesied, what we have been told and warned of and instructed in God's word, we are able to discern that we are now living in the last time and that Antichrist shall come. An Antichrist system will rise and to this system, this beast, the world will bow to it just like in the day of Daniel. There was an image raised up by Nebuchadnezzar and when the music was played and when the command was given, it tells us very clearly that the people and the nations and languages of all the known world at that time must bow down and worship this image. John tells us, and in the context of John's writing in 1 John chapter 2, it's important what he says and understand how we discern the last time. He said the world with its lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of its eyes and the pride of life, these will come together to show us that we are ripened for an antichrist one world system, a joining off the political social, religious, environmental, all the liberal groups that we are aware of coming together with one purpose, that they are against Jesus Christ and his church. That is now the day that we are living in. There are many antichrists, but the scene now is set for the antichrist himself to come forth, whether that's a world leader figure under a world governing system, there is many antichrists, but the antichrist will come forth. The world stage is being set according to Bible prophecy, according to the word of God, that in these last days, the antichrist will come forth. 
John simply says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That love or that lust that John is referring to is entirely opposite to the love of God that's in our hearts through faith. So I want us to understand tonight that why John, why John would use this love of the world and the lust that is in the world, that that will be the very means or weapon that is used by the Antichrist to bring forth a one world order, the evil desire of men. We want to revisit, if we could for a moment tonight, right back to the garden, right back to the fall of man, right back to when God, we know God had made everything, created all things, the heavens and the earth and everything that's within the earth. And God had created man himself. Man is different from every other creature on this earth because man is created in the image of God. We see that everything that God made was good and it was perfect. We thank God that his great creative power created all the glories of the galaxies, the moon, the stars, the planets, and everything that we see around us. The beauty of creation is all around us, the glory of God. But man had been instructed by God that he was not to eat of one tree in that garden. And we know that the devil is more subtle than any beast of the field. As the Bible tells us, he is a deceiver. And he came into that garden with Adam and Eve and said unto the woman, Ye shall not eat of every tree of that garden. The day God had said that you eat of that tree, you shall die. But now the devil brings doubt upon the word of God. Man himself created in the image of God. And through that fall, as he took from that tree, the image that God had created him was marred by that fall and by sin. In Genesis 3 and 4, the serpent said, you'll not surely die. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He's a deceiver. He's speaking into the ear of Eve and saying, for God, verse 5, knoweth that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes will be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, I want you to listen carefully, that lustful desire that entered into her, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. It was a desire to make one wise. She took of the fruit and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. That day we know that sin entered into the heart of man. That nature was completely changed as he took of that tree and disobeyed God. That nature was completely changed. It became a sinful nature in rebellion to God. But God, even in the midst of that, we read the very heart of Almighty God. We read the desire of God, even though man had disobeyed God, was deceived by the devil, and a lustful heart would enter into him, and sin would enter into the human race. That's why we're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity, without hope and without Christ. But here we read that even in the midst of that, the very heart of God towards man. In Genesis 3 and verse 8, it tells us, just after they're taken of that tree, that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. 
And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Right from that time, we see that it was the heart of God to have fellowship with what he had created in his image. He comes seeking out, seeking after that which he had made. He comes seeking after Adam and Eve who had rebelled against him, had taken off the tree and turned and went their own way deceived by the devil. But yet we see the heart of God Almighty. God is seeking. God is looking. God is searching. God is longing to have fellowship with you and with I. He asks the question. He longs for Adam and Eve and that fellowship that he had created, that they would have that intimacy together. He says, where art thou, Adam? Where art thou, Eve? I want to tell you, friend, tonight, if you're listening in to this live cast tonight, and you're not saved, or you're backslidden, or you've turned from God, or you've walked away from the Lord. I want to tell you what the heart of God is towards you tonight. God is saying, where art thou? Just like he said to Adam and Eve all those years ago, when they'd fallen and turned from God and disobedience and sin. But we see the very heart of God. He says, where art thou? He's searching out for you. He's looking for you. He desires to have fellowship with you. He wants you to come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ and have peace with God and your sins forgiven. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how deep in sin you are, no matter how cold in heart tonight, no matter where you are in this planet, no matter how deep you've gone into sin, there is still a voice that comes. It's the Lord God Almighty. And he cries, where art thou? He's looking to have fellowship with you. He's looking to restore you. He's looking to reconcile you to himself, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That cry from the heart of God was manifested in the love of God when Jesus Christ came into the world to die on the cross, to take away sin, because God so loved us that he sent his Son. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Men and women are lost at this time. They're lost in sin. They don't know where to turn. They're seeing these things and these events unfold and the rise of wickedness and the storms has come. But there's still a voice that comes from heaven and says, where art thou? Where art thou? Are you hiding behind sin? Are you hiding behind a facade? Are you hiding away in fear and trembling? But yet God is coming in mercy and he cries out, where art thou? He's come to seek and to save that which is lost. The hour that we have come to. John says the days in which we are now living. He says it's the last time. And I want to ask this very simple question. In these last days, whom will you worship? Because you will worship either God Almighty or you will worship the image and the Antichrist himself. The world will be so consumed with lust. That sets the stage for the Antichrist to come. You listen carefully. Because remember what John said. It's the love of the world. Love not the world. Because the love of the world is the lust. The lust after those things. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. That will set the stage for the Antichrist even to come. The world will become and has become so consumed with itself, 
with its sinful desire and iniquity, the Bible says, will abound and will rise. The Bible tells us as believers, if we are risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We are to set our affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Our desire is something beyond this world. Our desires beyond this temporal scene. Our desires beyond the material possessions of this world. Our desire is Him in glory. His name is Jesus. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. You touch a man's pocket, you'll touch his God. But if your affections are set on the things that are above, then that's where our desire is. There is a lust. And this lust will be a weapon used to cause the world that will ultimately yield our worship this image of the Antichrist. You stay with me because you're asking the question, where is this image and what is this image? We'll come to that in a moment. The lust of a man's heart, that fallen nature, has a passion. The word simply means to long for, to set your desires for Actually, the original right down in the root meaning of the word is to sacrifice everything or consumed, be with consumed with self-pleasure. There'll be no limits to that lust. We're living in such an hour where there's been an explosion of that sexual lust and perversion, that material lust, the love of money, the love of power, the pleasures of the world, vanity, consumed with image, the world is consumed with everything to do with image. Paul writes clearly to us concerning the last days in 2 Timothy 3 and 1. He said this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves. It will all be about me. It will all be about I. It will all be about my pleasure. These are the perilous times. But this sets the stage for the Antichrist. They'll be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Listen to what he says. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Do you remember? The love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of God is not in him. The last days, the perilous times, Paul says, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. The perilous times is setting the stage for this Antichrist to come. All these things that we have just read, the love of pleasures and the love of the world, we know tonight and we can say of a truth that none of these things bring happiness or the peace that a man is looking for. If you look at the prodigal son, he found this out for himself. When he wasted his substance with riotous living, at the end of that road, it's brokenness, death, shame, uh, and destroyed by the powers of sin. 
But I thank God tonight that there is a way back to God from the dark past of sin. His name is Jesus. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's slow to anger. He's abundant in grace and mercy. And at the moment that that son cried out, the Lord heard that cry. That son was restored. Thank God tonight there's mercy with God. There's nothing in this world There's nothing that satisfies. There's nothing in this world that can bring the peace or the joy or the hope or what you're looking for. It's only found in a person and that person is Jesus Christ. These are perilous times. It is the lust, the evil desire of the heart of man. Listen, the desire and the passion and the love of pleasure, the love of sin that is going to set the scene and the stage very easily, not complicated, for the Antichrist himself. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in, which is the image of God, should shine in unto them. Without doubt, brothers and sisters and friends tonight, without doubt this temporary halt, to the excessive worship of the gods of this world. God has used this season to halt the excessive worship of this world's gods. Sexual perversion, sport, materialism, money, image. God has put a pause on it for a moment. Why has he done that? Because he's rich in mercy. He's given man the opportunity to stop on their path to think of the life that they're living, to think of eternal things, to think of life beyond this present realm. There is a heaven and there is a hell. To consider their ways, to consider their path, consider how they stand before a holy God. God has put pause upon it on a global basis. Without doubt, this temporary halt is to get the attention of man that is wrapped up in himself lost in his sin, living for himself, loving the pleasures of this temporary world. But the scene is being set. This is only a season. This is a period of time where God in his mercy is arresting and getting the attention of some. You may be listening tonight and maybe a month ago you'd have given no thought to God. You'd have given no thought to Christ. You'd have given no thought to eternity. But tonight you've maybe just tuned in And you're looking, you're longing, you're asking because you see you have the intelligence and the knowledge to know that something's happening beyond, beyond what's normal. God is speaking. God has hit the pause button. God is asking and God is searching and God is saying, where art thou? God is longing for fellowship. God wants to save you. God wants to redeem you. God wants to set you free. These are the last days and this season will be short. This little season, as far as the restrictions go, when they're lifted, whenever that may be, we know that there will be an expression of everything and an explosion of all that lustful and sinful practice again. God has stopped it for a moment. It's not that man has changed or they're not sinning, but it's simply that God has got your attention for a moment. God has just stopped it that he might get your attention. The lust that burns within man 
will be a yielding and a bowing to that image that Revelation talks about, the Antichrist, the pride of life. What does it look like? You might say, are we talking about an image erected down in Belfast City Hall that I'll go down and I'll start bowing to you? I'll never do that. No, friends. You see, the devil's more subtle than any beast of the field. It's not a statue that will be built. It's not an image that's going to be erected outside storming that we'll all, that you'll all flock to and bow to. But friends, this lustful worship in the last days, dear friend, it will be the worship and the idolizing of man himself, the pride of life. The Bible says the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. The Bible says that every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord looks upon the hearts. We are heading into a time that lustful practice as that world order comes together already in sin. That lustful practice, that desire to please self. When we at this time come through this season and things begin to develop and the economy begins to crumble and this world order comes together, you're going to find it very easy in the lustful nature for your own pleasure to hand over everything of what you want and everything of what you desire very simply in order to bring the pleasure to self. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys, when they were brought before that king, when they would not buy, thank God there's a people that will not buy in this hour to this antichrist world. Here's three boys that would not buy. And when they're brought before the king, this is what they said. If it be so, our God whom we serve, praise God, he's able to deliver us from your burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Then he says in verse 18, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we are not serving your gods, nor will we worship your golden image which thou hast set up. We know that our God is able to deliver his people. He is a great deliverer. But their hope, their faith in Jesus Christ and God Almighty, whether they were delivered from that fairy trial or whether they were not, that they would not buy. Here's a people with a different spirit altogether. Here's a people that will not buy. In Daniel 3 and 22, the urgency of the king's command, the furnace was hot, the flame was turned up. They took these three men and they cast them into that fiery furnace. And when the king looked in, he answered and said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters and friends tonight, you make a stand for Jesus in these last times. I can assure you from God's word that though you may go through the trials, though you may go through the difficult times, but we have a Savior that has promised us, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I will be with you even right to the end of the world. We will have trials and troubles, but God's looking for people that are going to stand up and say, we will not buy. In Ephesians 6 and verse 13, 
Paul writes and says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, would I ask you, who are you going to worship in these last times? You're either going to worship the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, by giving your heart to Him, by asking Him into your heart, by repenting of your sin, by bowing your knee to Jesus and asking for mercy. I want to tell you, God is rich in mercy. Or you will serve and worship this Antichrist world through the lust of your own flesh. The Bible says that God will give them over, Second Thessalonians, to a strong delusion because they, not, they receive not the love of the truth. That strong delusion is about to come upon this world prior to the manifestation of this Antichrist. God in His mercy speaking to hearts. God in His mercy is speaking into your life. God is calling you. He's looking for you to come again to Calvary to bow the knee and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. There are those tonight maybe listening. They're far from God. You're in the depths of sin. You've turned from God. You've walked from God. You have no thought of God, but even tonight you've been strangely drawn again by the Spirit of God. God's saying, where are you? He's looking for you. He wants to save you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bring you home with Himself. He wants to be with you in these last days. Will you come? Where art thou? Brothers and sisters, we must stand in the evil day by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the last time the question is, whom will you worship? Will you live your life for yourself? Will you satisfy the lust of your own flesh and the pride of life, enjoying the pleasures of sin? But friends, in the end, they bring death and eternal torment. Will you turn to Jesus tonight as we're about to enter into the most significant times in history? As we see the beginning of sorrows, as we see the rise of this Antichrist world. John said it's the last time. It's the last time. Perhaps tonight it's the last time for someone even to hear the gospel. Perhaps it's the last time to hear the Lord speak to a heart or into a life. Maybe it's the last time you'll ever hear the gospel preached. Maybe it's the last time you'll tune in to hear the songs of Zion. To hear the gospel and the unsearchable riches of Christ. But it is the last time. God's coming and he says, where art thou? In this antichrist world. This lust of the flesh. The pride of life. That's what's going to set the scene very easily for the antichrist. For you to worship man. And worship the enemy. To live for yourself. And a strong delusion will come. Who will you worship in these last days? Come to Jesus. Confess your sins. Put your faith in Him alone. And He will be with you through every trial of, of, that you'll experience in your life. Walk with Jesus. Have a testimony of the saving and keeping power of God. Stand for Christ. Store up your treasure in heaven. Live for God. Our friends, live for yourself. That's the pride of life. That sets the scene. That sets the scene. Men, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. God just stopped it for a season. God in his mercy has pressed pause on it all in order that he would get your attention, that you may come to him.
You're listening to this tonight. You're not saved. You're not right. You're backslidden in spirit. You haven't been living right. Haven't been living right before God. God saying, where are you? Not to condemn you, but that through Jesus Christ tonight that you might be saved. He wants to save you. If you're here and you hear this, you hear God speaking to you tonight, get right with God. It's the last time. Who will you worship? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Whom will you worship? Whom will you serve? Every knee one day will bow. If you don't bow now, but every, there will come a time, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I willingly bow my knee and confess that he's my Lord. Is he yours tonight? Make him yours before the end of this night. Let's pray together. Father, tonight, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for even one that's listening tonight that's not saved, that's not right, that's backslidden, that's far from you. Lord, we pray in your great mercy that you would draw them again to yourself, your great love. And Lord, that you would save them by your great power. Oh Lord, if there's one tonight, I pray they'd make quick confession of sin. They'd repent. They'd put their trust in you. And Lord, that they would lift the phone. They would confess that they've got right with God. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would give them the courage, give them the faith to put things right tonight. Lord, we realize the days we're in, the urgency, the last days, the last time. Oh, Father, tonight we pray, have mercy. Lord, bless your people. Lord, cause us and help us to stand in the evil day. Lord, let us be a witness for you. Let us be light in a dark world. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you promised that you'll be with us in the fire, through the flood. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you will not leave us or forsake us. Oh, God, tonight we pray, Lord, that we would stand in this evil and wicked day. But, Lord, in your mercy, continue to draw men to yourself. We pray for many more to be saved in these days, many more to be brought in to glorify your name in all things. Lord, we give you thanks tonight for your word that goes forth across this land, Lord, the preaching of the gospel by these means. We pray that you'd bless each one, bless the work, Lord, in, a, in every way, Lord. Glorify your name in this land. We give you the praise and the glory tonight in Jesus' precious name. Amen.